You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to the Land and Legacy podcast with your hosts Adam Keith, Matt Dye. We've got an exciting podcast for you today. I say that with a mouth call in my mouth because this is going to be a good one. We're going to talk about turkey calling and all our strategies involved, all the different sounds we make to try and coax a wary gobbler into range. It is almost springtime here in the Ozarks. No, I guess it is technically spring, but honestly, I don't classify... It hasn't felt like it. No, it hasn't. I don't classify springtime with a calendar i classify springtime with the amount of birds and i'm hearing goblin in the morning and getting out chasing them that is springtime to me it could be 70 degrees in late march but if i'm not chasing a turkey i I still say it's it's not spring yet yeah and and the fish have just started really biting a lot more boats going down the road uh birds chirping trees are blooming out now there's starting to be some green leaves around here so it is an exciting time it's of on the, the year. Horizon. It's my favorite time of year. Yeah, it's on so, the horizon. So it's time to talk turkeys. Absolutely. And you know, a couple podcasts ago, we talked about our approach with turkeys and how we are successful with it. And we kind of felt like we needed to bust the calls out and give better examples and a little more details on how we use each call and and what each call communicates and and honestly when when to use it because. You hear so many different turkey vocalizations. If you've, if you've ever hunted turkeys in the fall or you've just been in the deer stand, you hear them on the limb and get down and assemble. And a little bit different sounds. Little, little different sounds. But what, is, what do they honestly communicate, and how can you use those to um, you know, get a bird within, within range, whether you're hunting with a bow or a shotgun? Um, but there's a lot of information, and, and this will give you a, an audio sound of exactly what it is a turkey makes and what it means and yeah. when to use it absolutely you want to dive right in let's dive in all righty let's do it i think so, right, off the, right off the bat we need we honestly need to just first say that this is there, there's so many different ways to call a turkey there's so many different approaches actually you know it's funny you bring that up it was just a few days ago when i saw somebody shared a uh, article from outdoor life i believe yep. it was and it was the four Almost like, I'll paraphrase, the four stereotype, stereotypical turkey hunters. Right. There was the camper, the guy who just sits in his <laughs> blind yeah. with decoys out, and he doesn't hardly call. He may call just a few times. Then there's the the uh, performer, and that's the guy I kind of related to. I was, was going to say, is that more, you? He, uh, no, actually, I thought of you more because, like, you oh, lay out God. all your calls beside you. Like, because you just said it a couple weeks ago. I lay them all out, and, and I try these, and I, so they're all right there. That's what they describe. Oh, gosh. Gotcha. He's like performing on this stage, and he's got all his calls <laughs> laid out there by him. And uh, then, what were the two other? One of them was called the uh, the Go Tour or the Sneaker or something. Basically, it was the guy that fans and he uh-huh. crawls. And he probably kills more turkeys than everybody else, but he uh, he's the one that unconventional. The old, yes, unconventional right. uses a fanner or a coyote coyotes him, and mm-hmm. by that I mean he just goes Sneaks after him. Sneaks and peeks and boom. Yeah. And uh, then the other one was the old timer, who's got his his wing bone call around his neck, 
even and he carries a box call because a wing bone doesn't sound very good. And uh, anyway, he kills. I feel a lot like you're, with, you're pointing a finger at my dad right now. I, and my dad. <laughs> and uh, and anyway, and so I kind of related to some of them. And uh, but anyway, it was kind of funny. There's there's all kinds of different ways to kill turkeys. So many and different ways. The, you can be successful with every single one of them. But in my honest opinion, I like to make them gobble. I like to hear them gobble. I don't like to wait on them. I don't like to deer hunt turkeys. Um, you're, you're not the squatter. I'm not the the guy that the camper. The camper. I'm not there the camper. Um, I guess a squatter would be the one who's doing it on someone else's property. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we would call that trespass. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not that guy. I'm the right. guy. I've been known to call too much. And uh, so I just like, to me, it's not as, it's not very, it, it is fun. Don't get me wrong. But to camp on a bird, deer hunt a bird, and wait him out and not make much sound, it's just not m- much fun. I feel like me. this is like a Dr. Phil of turkey hunting. Like you're, 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 you're talking about, you know, what you do, some, maybe, maybe some faults or whatever, but like you're just, it's like a coming to Jesus about this is who I am as a turkey hunter. This is what I do. Like this is how I do it. This is how I am, and I hope you can <laughs> take it or leave it. Yeah, exactly, because <laughs> I ain't changing. Yeah. I, I, this is warning to all those people that may hunt with me one day. Um, this is the way I do it, and you can either get on board <laughs> right? you can stay at the house. <laughs> or, or you can sleep in. Yeah, because if you tell me we're going to go wait on a – it's just like – and I'll get back to it, but here's a fishing story for you. Oh, gosh, here we go. Several Hold years on. ago, my favorite way to fish is throwing a jerk bait or a stick bait, some people call it. And I had a buddy who was a big trout fisherman on Taney Como, close to where I went to college. And he told me, hey, I'm catching him on a stick bait. You want to come down and, and fish with a – with a jerk bait with me, I'm like, you're you're fishing with a jerk bait for trout, and I went down there and we were slow rolling a floating a floating jerk bait just across the top. It was super slow fishing, and in no way, shape, or form was it jerk bait fishing for me, but it was successful for him. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of the same thing. Like this is, there's a certain way I want to do it, and it's successful for me, right. and that's the way I kind of want to do it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this so is, that's where you get the most opinion. enjoyment out of it. Exactly, that's the most fun. Yeah. yeah. Now, if we were throwing a jerk bait for bass, deep cranking, it would have been a lot more fun. But mm-hmm. it was slow rolling; it wasn't very much fun. So, and, and I gotta be honest, I'm, I'm gonna have my my Doctor Phil moment. I'm the same way. I'm like, honestly, we we turkey hunt together all the time, and it's a good thing that we have the same, um, honestly, strategy, and and we get the same enjoyment out the same techniques, basically. And um, you know, I, I like to make them gobble. I, I'm not a too much of a uh, camper at all i you know if i know a bird's gonna come I'll, I'll sit and wait them out but i'm not sitting on the edge of a field all day um yeah. and i'm not an old wing bone old timer I, I i i grew up hunting with my dad and i learned um that it sometimes that works but other times i just want to get up and move and go to another bird so you know and don't we, get me wrong they're both successful at the, oh, with yeah. their approach but i to me killing a bird is not like Harvesting a turkey is not the same uh, in, with using those two strategies. Oh, right, right, right. I remember the turkey comes in gobbling and strutting, and, <sighs> like in Florida just a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Yeah. It, it just, that's going to stick with me. A mm-hmm. bird that just walks into a food plot. Just redhead, just peeking, looking around. That, I, that, I, I, I forget those hunts because yeah. they're not exciting to me. Mm-hmm. I, I love the excitement. That's part of it. So Definitely. Here we go. There's there, basically in a nutshell. There's there's more than one way of turkey hunt. There's more than one way. And to what be I'm successful. saying, our way is, uh, is the best way. It's just yeah. our uh, we've been successful at it, and we find the most enjoyment out of it. And so we hope that we can help the listener be more successful sure. by maybe using our share our techniques, our techniques. Absolutely. So that's Absolutely. where we're at. So what you can see the screen. You just kind of yeah. walk me through. I've got the calls. Laid out like the performer. Like the over. performer over here. Yeah. I told you you were the performer. Yeah. Talk, talk to me like I laid them out weeks ago. You did minutes ago. I did minutes ago. <laughs> so let's say, we're, it, you know, it's opening weekend. It's 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 Sunday night. Missouri comes in on Monday, and we want to go and roost a bird. What does it mean to roost a bird, and what are we doing to roost it, are, are we just out there listening? Are we are we in the middle of a field? What are we doing? So the, the way I approach a, trying to roost a bird is I'll find a spot to watch. 
I'll watch a field where I think turkeys most frequently use right before roost hunt. So I'm trying to find a spot that if I if I've been to the area, I know turkeys are going to roost there. If uh, if I've been to the area and I know that t- turkeys typically roost in this area, I'm going to sit close there, but not right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sit too close. I'm a couple hundred yards back where I can see. If it's a new area. I'm going to just try and find a place where I can see the most. And I'm going to sit there and glass through my binoculars and find birds, hopefully. Right. But so we're going to the family farm. I'm going to, I typically know there's two places in this part of the farm where they roost. And I can get high enough up on a little flat to where I can see both sides. And I'm going to sit and watch this field till almost dark. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just sitting in camo. You're not making a turkey sound. Nothing. Nothing. I'm right. just sitting there like they don't even know I'm in the world. Mm-hmm. And if I don't see them or I do see them and, and I'm not sure exactly which tree they're at, I'm going to hit them with an out, an, a hoot, hooting stick right before dark. They, so they've already, they've already flown up. You're just, you're, you know, it's, it's the last minutes of daylight. And mm-hmm. hit them with a hoot stick just to get a better like pinpoint their exact tree, yes. exact location. And I'm not going to, there's two ways. I'll, ki- I'll cut my hands. They can't see this, but. I'll cut my hands to make it a little quieter. A more muffled sound. Yes. And I'll just hit one single note just to try and get them to gobble. <laughs> there you go. And if not, then I may give a few more hoots. Right. And that's all a natural sound. Like this is this, you know, typically does occur this time of night. It's and, neutral or positive, right? It's, it's not, it's a not negative. It's way. not going to hurt, you know, you know, alarm a turkey or anything like that. This is this is natural, and they honestly love to sound off in the evening time because it lets hens know if they didn't fly up with hens or just separate out of that field. You know, it lets them know where they're at. So mm-hmm. morning comes around, and so I'll just go through a few more sounds that I'll make just to get them a little more. You know, as a as an owl gets more fired up, he gets a little louder yep. and possibly peaks that interest or that I, I guess gets that bird to gobble a little bit more. Yep. So I'll hit him with a few more, just like this, and we'll call this. You'll hear it, and this is called owl laughter. <laughs> and that's just. And if they don't hit that, then I may open up my hands and just hit them with one loud one, not too long after that. That's just a little bit higher pitch. That's going to hit them a little differently. And hit them a little more. It it wasn't that sharp loudness. It was like extended loudness. Exactly, exactly. So that's that's just a good natural way just to, boom, hit them with the sound and hopefully get them gobbled and pinpoint. You know, you're, again, not calling to them at all. You're You're just observing and listening the next morning and if that doesn't work there's another option that we like there's to two use other options. two other and options and i don't use one of them I, I i will a little bit um the the crow call i may hit them with the, just a <coughs> just three sharp notes but a lot of times i don't it, it, to me if they don't gobble at the alcohol and it's getting because think about birds turkeys and crows are, are both birds yeah so they're roosting at the same Wait, time really yeah, oh, okay. obviously. And uh, so they're roosting at the same time. Right. And so a lot of times when a turkey's gone to roost, so is a crow. And so they're not as vocal. Right. And so that's why I like to – the owls, of course, they're a night-type night bird. So they're they're more vocal than a crow. Certainly. So I'll hit them with the owl. And then if that doesn't work – Last-ditch effort. And this is with caution because I think if you're too close, you can shut a bird up real quick. Mm-hmm. And with the coyote howler – I like to get them one quick note, loud, sharp. Cut it off. And I absolutely am just trying to sh- make them shot gobble. Yep. Absolutely. So they sit on the limb, and they've heard that owl, and they're like, yeah, I might gobble, I might not gobble. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if they can have that thought process. But I'll hit them with one owl, or one coyote howl, real quick. <laughs> they don't gobble at that, I'll... It's a little bit longer extended. Yeah, and again, that's not if, if if you've seen a bird and you see him go to roost, and and you're not but a couple hundred yards away, two three hundred yards away, that coyote howler doesn't come out. I, for me, the coyote howler is more of a I don't have a clue where the birds are. Right, and because you can, to me, you can be a negative with mm-hmm. that coyote howler. You can shut them up. 
completely. Uh, I, I agree. Especially now, depending you on the throw coyote on alert and they look out in the field and see you, whatever. Yeah. So the, to me, the coyote howler is if I don't have any birds located and I'm just trying to make them gobble and I'm out in the middle of the field and I'm just going to hit it. Right. And and honestly, out west, the coyote howler and, and sometimes like you know Texas and stuff like that, there's a very good response to a coyote howler. Because they're howling everywhere. They're howling everywhere. They're used to them around. And that sound carries so far out west. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. it carries far, you know, obviously in, in a timber area too. Like out west. Correct, correct. And you can sound blast them from a long ways away and really get a bird to respond and let you know where it's at. Um, so let's say you've done all that. You've, you've run the gamut the night before. That Sunday night, you, you wake up or you go to bed not knowing, I guess, where they are. You wake up. Monday morning, and you're like, well, I didn't I didn't put a bird to bed, but I know there's birds in this area. It's cracking light. Are you sitting back? Are you waiting for one to gobble? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna Are no, you gonna owl hoot? I'm gonna what, owl what are you hoot. Doing? I'm gonna owl hoot. I'm not one of the hunters that like to to sit back and wait for them to gobble. I like to knowing get out there. I always like to be early when it's dark. But then when I start knowing, okay, I'm hearing some birds call and I'm, I hear a few crows call, I'm going to hoot just because, even if I don't know where they're at, just because I want to try and make them gobble. I think there's been a lot of times early on in my life where I didn't call at all. And then minutes later, 30 minutes later, I call and he gobbles like he was just waiting on me to call. Mm-hmm. I like to do a little hooting just to try and get him to gobble. So I'm doing the same thing like last night. I'm, I'm the night before. I've hit him just with a one hoot, and then I bust into more hooting. But I'm still always staying muffled right. just because I don't want right. to blast him. And this is – I don't hoot really close. Like if I'm in an area where I've, I've known turkeys have roosted before, I'm not going to hoot a lot unless I turn and point away from them. Then I may do real soft hoots. Right, just soft, the more muffled, because more muffled, you don't want to blow them off the limb. Right. Stuff like that. Just trying to get them to gobble, but not blast them. Exactly, exactly. And so, now, let's just say I do, I do know where he's at. And I don't, or I got him to gobble. Now I'm, now I'm set up, or I'm getting in my setup, and, and I'm... Well, hold hold on, real real quick. What what about a crow call? Do you use a crow call in the morning? If I haven't heard the bird yet, and for me, I'll hit a crow call when it's a little more light, and I think turkeys may have already flown down in places. So you know, you didn't hear one on the roost, and, and you know, it's plenty of light, and you've heard lots and lots of crows, and you're still sitting there scratching your head. Why haven't I heard a gobble yet? Then you might grab that crow call and try and really try and get those crows fired yeah. up. Yep. And that when I, even when I do a crow call, the first couple sounds I ever make are just three short, maybe just four short blast. crow calls. Yes, yeah. just a. <laughs> just sounds like that because it's loud. This this Harrison crow call is super loud. So I need to be able to make him gobble, but cut it off in time where I can still hear. Exactly. You don't want there to be. Too much noise that you can't hear. If you do you a long, hear. same way with hooting yep. or uh, coyote howler, if you're doing it for a long period, like you're going to miss seconds, the gobble. He could gobble right in the middle of it, and you never even you never even hear it. Absolutely. So always trying with those locators. I always try and be short, loud, unless I'm using the alcohol and I'm close. Then I'll try and still be short, short, but you know more muffled, more, more muffled. muffled. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you've got a bird to respond. He gobbles and he's on the roost. How ideal, do you, how do you, how, ideal situation. That's where we're at here. This is I'm ideal. set up. I'm 150 plus yards in that 300 to 100 yard range. I'm not too close to where he's on the limb looking for me, but I'm close enough he knows I'm there. And, and too far away, you run the risk of there being quite a few more hens and turkeys interceptions interception before he gets to you if he commits to you from that far away. Yes. He's remember he's sounding and blasting all around him. So there's going to be competition most likely come from many different the reason, angles. The reason he's gobbling is he's trying to attract him. Right. It's natural for the hens to know cut the distance. It's time and they go to him. Right. Absolutely. It's not as natural for him to gobble and come to us. That's right. that's the game we play. 
we've got to reverse it. We've got to yeah. be attractive enough and have a, a, a setup that will warrant him cutting the distance instead of a hen coming to him. Yes. And so, so he's on the limb. It's still, you can see shapes. There's plenty of light, but it's not like turkeys are on the ground. Right. I want him to know I'm there. From the minute he wakes up or close to when he wakes up, I want him to know I'm there mm-hmm. and him to want to be with me. You want him to be with you? As a hen, I want him to be coming and looking for me. Right. So, first calls that you're making from a turkey standpoint, a hen standpoint, now you're very saying... Very soft. Very soft. And I hunted with a guy several years ago that it was still dark and he was... He was <laughs> Oh, he was ripping fly down cackles and yeah, that's not a way I want to do it. I, to me, I think you're going to throw way too much. I think you, it's like a red flag, like waving way over here. Honestly, and our approach, not just mine, is to to keep things as natural as possible. And turkeys communicate on the limb before fly down, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. You may not always hear it. It's not a loud vocal, like you said, a fly-down cackle Excited or assembly. that you hear a lot of. You cutting know, and, when you think of contest calling, I think a lot of people listen to those contest calling, and they think that's, that's how what I need to sound like. That's what I need. You, you hear excited hens, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of sounds that turkeys make throughout the year that you have to hear. The only way you hear them is if you're close. Very close, and it's at the right time of the day. Like those soft tree yelps that you mentioned, they're just communicating from one to another on the limb. Mm-hmm. You know, they're having assembled on the ground yet. It's just soft. Call. They might they might be on the other side of the tree, just on a different limb. So that distance back and forth is not very far. So what does a tree yelp, the first sound of the morning, what does that sound like? For me, it is just a simple, simple yelp that's very soft, just like this. To me, you don't lose the 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 crispness of it, but it it, it it sounds more muffled. It's just at a lower frequency. It's just to me, it's like when I wake up in the morning, I don't come out. Hey, hello. No, I you're like a bear line, coming know. out of hibernation, stumbling they're around. They're the same way to me. Like they're they're very soft. Of course, yeah. the tom's up there. He's lovesick. He's blasting it out, and so, but the hands are still pretty. They wake up in the morning, they do a few soft tree yelps. And yep. that's about as far as I'll ever do with a tree yelp. I'll just right. a few f- short yelps, get their attention. Let him One know. One of the best calls for a turkey, for a tom, is not sold in stores. No. And that's just the, the call of patience and the call of intriguing him and, and the call of just trying to let his curiosity get the best of him. Exactly. Let him know you're there. But not talk to him too much. Mm-hmm. Because so in, he, the, in his head, he thinks if you're not calling and he can't hear you, he may think you're leaving. Mm-hmm. And remember, this is best situation. This is this is where there's no other hen competition that we've heard of or know of. This is how we're treating and talking to that gobbler. Soft tree yelps, and then you're I'm waiting, waiting a out. few minutes. Right. And I may give him a, another soft tree yelp. Yep. But... I like to be one of the first turkeys on the ground. I've all I just like him to think, okay, that hen's already on the ground. Now there's a chance she's leaving. Mm-hmm. Or he may think you're coming, but in a few minutes he knows you're not because you're going to be calling, calling in the same spot. Right. So he's thinking you're either leaving or you're getting quiet and you're leaving. Like mm-hmm. he he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And so after I've done a few tree yelps and I feel like t- there's enough light to where turkeys are going to be on the ground or thinking about it, and they're starting to think, okay, they're starting to stretch a few wings and get ready, I'm flying down. And there's a couple different ways. You've got to check his temperature. If he's gobbling at every single thing you throw at him, I may do a fly down cackle just to get him to gobble a few more times. And, and, and crows in the surrounding area you're, and, or other gobblers off in the distance you got to exactly read his temperature and, and, okay, how is he responding? Is he aggressive? Is he really wanting it? Or is he just sending out those over a couple minutes? every fifth call. If he's gobbling yeah. every fifth call, I'm just going to do a fly down. Yep, that's but it. But if he's hammering like a great two-year-old, I'm going to let it rip. All right. So, so I'll do a, two versions. A fly down cackle, this is, this is a two-year-old bird that is just sounding 
off at everything, and you're going to do a fly-down calculation. This is representing a hen as she's preparing and flight is flying down, pitching off the roost. Yes. Hit and it. So first, she, of course, she's, she's stretching her wings. Now, this is a, this, what you're hearing is an actual wing, a turkey wing from a gobbler that was recently shot. And we always carry a wing with us in our vest, and so we can replicate that sound to a T that a turkey makes as it's stretching its wings, rubbing them against the limb, Getting and that's what that noise is. You, and if, that you, is. if you listen real closely and you're close to hens in the springtime or in the fall, you will hear that noise. So that right there is a multiple turkey fly down with an excited fly down cackle mixed in. And if that bird is hammering, he's going to double, triple gobble at that because one, he knows, okay, oh my gosh, there's multiple hens. They're calling. They're getting down on the ground. What do I need to do to get up and meet with them? And, and he's pumped. He's ready. Now you've got that bird who's been gobbling on the roost, but he's not hammering at everything you're doing. His temperature is not as hot. Do you do a, you don't you don't do a fly down cackle? No. So what are you representing there? Again, it's that patience level. You can't sell that in the store. But what are you doing? So I may or may not, most likely not, make any sounds on my mouth call. All I'm trying to do is just get on the ground. I'm trying to play a hen that's playing silent just like he is. So I'll do the You're beating him at his own game. Stretching the wings. And that transition of, of slapping the wings together, and then, then you're patting it on the leaves, too, because those leaves are going to make a disturbance as if the turkey's landing right, yes. right there in the leaves. And then not long after, even with the excited fly-down cackle and the weary kind of quiet tom, a few seconds, maybe a minute after I do the fly down, I'm going to take the wing and I'm just going to break those leaves. Just like a turkey has flown down and now she's trying to grab the first few acorns or whatever. Yep. She's scratching the leaves trying to find some food. Remember, they haven't had food since they flew up last night. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know about you. I'm hungry every time I get up. So that's just another natural thing to throw into the mix to really make a realistic setup and the sounds that turkeys naturally make each day. You know, it's nothing new to these gobblers to hear it, but if you don't have that present in a setup, in a situation, that might throw off, you know, a little alarm, you know, because they're hearing those fly-down cackles, and, or they're hearing those wing beats as a bird flies down and pitches off the roost. So throwing that in adds realism to a setup. So we've got set up on the bird, three to five, 300 yards to 150 yards, that kind of median, and then... You've read this temperature, you've done a couple tree yelps, you fly down cackle, or you just use your wing, replicate a fly down, you hit the ground, the hen's on the ground, he might still be on the limb, or he's getting ready to fly down now, so what's the next move? You know, and this is where you start getting into people's opinion, different ways of handling. I still like to do that first initial call from the ground a little bit softer, yep. but a little bit louder than a tree yelp. And I'm still, the whole time... I'm a guy, I, I want to run my mouth calls first. I will throw in, you know, if I'm set farther back and there's multiple hens in the area, I may I may hit a slate call to sound like multiple hens. So he hears one that's a little louder, one that's a little softer. So he's starting to think, okay, there's, there's more than just the one or two turkeys. There's multiples. Added reason to get over there. Yes. And so... Before, you know, I'll just hit a, I'll hit a slate and say, now that I'm on the ground and I want to sound like multiple hens, I'm going to hit a slate the way I would, I would call it. And this is actually a assassin slate from Hooks. So it's a little bit, it's actual slate topped. Love this for soft yelps, mm-hmm. clucks, cuts. But the one, early morning calls. Early morning calls. Yep. The one thing I like about this is you can do just that. But... The, the negative to, and especially in Missouri, 
during those spring months, there's a lot of dew, there's a lot of moisture. So slate calls, actual slate tops, can be difficult to run sometimes in a morning. It's important to keep them dry. Yep. So I'll just, I've already... You know, and that's the thing about when you listen to turkeys, I think that a lot of people mistake a putt, an alarm putt for a, a cluck. A cluck. I'm a you, big I'm a big fan of clucks and purrs. I'm a big fan of clucks for sure because you know, when you hear a turkey in the woods, almost always when they make sounds, if they're just soft yelps they're excited yelps, fly down cackles. A lot of the sounds they make, there's clucks mixed in. Exactly. Yep. And and even when they're feeding in the woods, and it's just that real soft, there's still clucks mixed in. And so that's about the sounds. If I'm, I'm still trying to remain pretty quiet, but I want to sound like multiple hens, so I've hit my... I've hit my mouth call, and now I'm going to hit the slate. That's about what it sounds like. So, so now, a, what? Go ahead. I was to say that's a mouth and a and a mouth diaphragm and a slate mixed together to sound like multiple turkeys. And I'm going, to, I'm going to go touch back on that clucks and purrs um, we kind of talked about there for just a second. But there's been many times where there's been a bird that hasn't been hot on the roost and not just that, you know, sound blasting the whole woods, broadcasting to, to the whole nation that, that he's on the roost and looking for hens, that I've called in lots of birds just with clucks and purrs and just kept it quiet and soft the entire time. And he's not going to come in hammering, but he comes in. Mm-hmm. And and just those natural sounds that turkeys make, whether they're feeding, and they make a they purr quite a bit as they're feeding. So as you're scratching in the leaves, I'm going to throw in the just as a natural sound um, to that setup. And uh, clucks and purrs are a huge part of, of their they're success. Very, o- very overlooked. Yes, because they're not the the loud broadcasting you see. Just you the don't, really you don't hear intensity a, hunts on in a in a calling contest. It's not like that. That's not the the calls you you remember. Let's Correct. hear your best cluck and purr. Yeah, it's it's always the assembly yelps and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, mm-hmm. and speaking of assembly yelps, that's something I may may or may not do. I don't. A lot of people do them because it's it's just that it's an assembly yelp. So turkeys have flown down now. They're trying to assemble. But to me, it's such a long yelp that it's kind of one of those where it's it, it, you got to check their temperature. It's one of those calls that if he's a quiet tom, he doesn't gobble a whole lot, I'm trying to play him as quiet as possible. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm just staying soft. But if he is a big, showy two-year-old goblin, his brain's out, and I just want to get, I just want to get crazy with it, I may give him an assembly yelp. Yep. So, and, and, and that again just communicates trying to get gather a flock, put them together. You know, especially mm-hmm. if you've done multiple fly downs, you know that that might be an um, a real realistic thing to do. Do mm-hmm. an assembly yelp and, and gather little hens. And why don't you replicate what that sounds like? So it's a longer series of yelps just thrown together. Ken, that was pretty loud. I mean, that, that you know, basically yeah. you, you've stepped it up because from that's that what soft she's call. trying to do. That she hen is trying to bingo, bingo, to talk to all the birds in the area and assemble them together. Mm-hmm. And just like the gobbler, you know, he might not roost right with the hens. Those hens aren't going to all stay in the same tree every single night. They're going to bounce around a little bit. So she's got to broadcast that out just a little bit in a, in a higher intensity to assemble them together and. That kind of leads me to the next thing. Okay, you've, you've, you've thrown out the assembly yelp. 
a lot of times that's the big hen. That's the big boss hen that throws that out there. She's gathering the flock. So if that happens and you hear it and you hear it between you and the bird or on the other side of the gobbler that you're trying to call into you, what do you do as a hunter? Because to me, that's an alarm saying, oh, man, there's the another hen, hen over there. Is here. The, the boss hen has arrived, and now she's going to try and control the flock. And, and what she can do that you can't is she can she's walk mobile. To him. Yes. Exactly. And shut him up and take him the complete opposite direction. So when you hear an assembly yelp from another hen during your setup, what do you do? I mock her. Yep. I'm just going to copycat her. And so she, she yelps. I do the exact same thing. She starts cutting. I start cutting. Yep. It's just my way of saying, hey. of playing the younger, the younger sister or the younger brother. It's you just that you ain't that good. Yeah, Look I, at I'm me. over here too. I and, 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 and she's can trying. Do, to, I can do better. Yeah. And oh, yeah. So I think that's the first singing we've ever done on a podcast. And let's make it the last. And anyway, <laughs> so new record. Um. You, she's trying to assemble the flock and now she hears you doing the same thing. Yeah. So she sees you as competition. You're right. trying to assemble them. And, and, and with that, she may come and try and fight you. She certainly may. And a lot of times they'll bring the Tom with her. Yep. Because that's, that is, it's what happens when, when you see a fight in high school, like everybody crowds, around everyone comes. So when that fight comes out and you hear those fighting purrs or, you know, she comes in, she's tired of hearing you mock her and try and, and basically take her role in assembling a flock, again, she might come in and start doing the fighting purse. So, again, if you hear that um, that assembly yelp from a realistic hen, get on that call quickly because those those other hens in the area are going to go to her, most likely, or they're going to go, go to the tom and carry him away. But get on that call and replicate exactly what she did to almost the same note. So if it's a four-note she throws out or a six-note yelp she throws out, do a six or even a seven note yell. Yes. The exact same thing that she's doing. Yeah. And so now let's just, we're, we're back on calling this Tom. He's not quite down, but I want him to think there's multiple hens over here. And I'm just, now I'm just playing the game. I'm just yep. calling and I don't want to call too much, but I'm going to call enough to keep his curiosity. So what? Every five minutes, every 10 minutes, 15? Once again, checking the temperature, but okay. no more than every, every couple of minutes. Right. You don't want to constantly be calling to him because the more he hears you, the more he's going to think you're going to come to him. Mm-hmm. But the less he hears you, in my opinion, I believe he's thinking, okay, she's leaving or another Tom may be coming in. She, either way, she's not coming to me. Yeah. yeah. And so I want to keep his attention but not call constantly. So I'm going to hit now on the exterminator crystal just to kind of give you a sound. So I haven't hit this call yet. I've hit the slate. Um, the assassin slate friction call, and I've used my mouth call. Now I'm going to hit something crystal or glass just to throw a little bit sharper sound out there and uh, just to make it sound like there's another hen in the flock. I do love that call. That is a beautiful the exterminator crystal with the yellow heart gobbler mm-hmm. stick. It's just a beautiful combination. Um, and so I've done that now, and I'm going right. to wait. He's probably gobbled. Let's say he's gobbled at it multiple times. I'm still just sitting back. Yeah. And here's the thing about adding that wing. While I'm sitting there, I may not call for two minutes, but then I may just pick up the wing and rake a few leaves. <laughs> If he's close enough, he hears that, and he just thinks, oh, okay, that hen's sitting over there, and she's just she's just feeding. feeding right now. She's just feeding. And it's still driving him nuts that she's not coming to him. Exactly. And if you hear him Building gobbling nothing, if he's just gobbling to try and get you to respond, it's just you've got him that much more. It, yeah. You did you did the reeling in motion yeah, with like, like, a, like you a fishing rod, and that's all it is. It, it, you're, you're building it up. You're, that silence is... is making him his temperature hotter that he's going to break down and cut the distance to you. And honestly, I, I've heard a lot of folks say that, you know, that bird shut up and I left. Like, he's, he quit gobbling. He just quit gobbling. To me, that's where I get the gun off my lap, prop up my knee, and shoulder it. Because if he has gobbled at you throughout your calls. Yep. You haven't heard any other hens. Even if he has gobbled at you through all your calls. 
And let's just say another hen walked up and he flew down and he's with that hen now. And it's mid-season or whatever. There's a good chance that hen's going to end up. She may drag him away for a little ways. But there's a good chance if, if not too much time has passed, he's going to come back and try and find you. Yeah, exactly. He, he knows where that sound was. Mm-hmm. He can come back to that sound very easily. And so a lot of times it'll get quiet. He's either thinking about flying down. He's getting stretched out. Yep. The hen's close. He's got his eyes on her. But if he starts coming, he's going to still be quiet. But when he starts getting a little closer, that's when you're going to hear him. That's when that's when you kind of started snoozing. You're like, ah, he's he's with other hens. I'm just going to nap here for a little bit. Here. And bow! He gobbles just right on top of you, or you hear that. And you're like, oh, man, he's coming in silent. Two ways. Yeah. And that's when the old heart just gets the thumping. Oh, man, yeah. And so for me... I'm not, I'm, I'm not discouraged by silence after no. I know he's been gobbling. If he's I been gobbling it. like crazy, what I am discouraged about is see him fly down and go the opposite direction. That yes. is discouraging. Yes. And that actually reminds me of the hunt last year, the last day of the season here in Missouri when you, me, and your brother were hunting, and um, we had a bird gobbling really good on the roost. There's actually two birds we found out later on, and he was gobbling really good, very responsive and pitched down and flew across a deep ravine. Yet we had a hen come up, and she was there, I mean, 20, 30 yards in front of us for 25 minutes. And he just over on that other ridge now just... And he didn't even have hens with him. Everything. Cobbled everything. And we had a real-life hen... Right in front of us. Right in front of us. he watched fly down. Absolutely. What, to, to me, that was a learning experience, if it was, or a, a good reminder that just because the bird's gobbling at you... And just because you have a hen in front of you doesn't necessarily mean he wants to be there. Be right where you are at. He had that, that bird had his mindset. When I fly down, I'm, I'm going, going to up that to that ridge. little flat because it's the high spot. And when I start gobbling, everything around hears me. And you can come over there too. Yeah. And as we let him gobble out, gobble it out, gobble it out, and that hen finally moved off, we packed up, went around, backdoored him, and got honestly probably within a. 100 to 120 yards of him gobbling on that ridge, came in the back door, sat down, a couple soft yelps, and he was in with that other bird and yep. game it over. It was just a matter of changing changing our, our uh, setup. Yep, and that approach that he had to take to get there. He yep. was hot. He was hot the whole morning, but we had to move and get in the right position. We were in the wrong setup. That's it. That's it. He and, came, if we would have been on top uh, first thing and done fly down, he would have we'd have had him dead by 7 o'clock. Right. But instead, right. we had to learn the hard way, and we had to move mm-hmm. around mid-morning and sneak in. So, but yeah. it results and, in, and, but throughout the morning, I'm just every couple of minutes, I'm making some yelps. Yep, and I'm making some leaves moving in the with the wing. I'm just scratching the leaves. But outside of that, I'm not doing anything too crazy. If he's still gobbling at me, exactly. It's it's not. It's, it's a not, waiting game. It's it's call to keep his attention, but not call too much to mm-hmm. to send other hens away if they are with him. Right, and now. I'm going to throw this setup out there, and this has happened countless times, and it seems to happen quite a bit during the early season. While there are quite a few hens around who haven't been bred or haven't gone to sit on a nest, but that bird pitches down, and it's just gobbling. It just sounds like he just, at any time, he's going to shut up, break, and just come in. Yet, he doesn't, and you just kind of see, you know, you can hear him move 40, 50 yards back and forth, back and forth, or it might be, Closer to you than further away from you, and closer to you than further away from you. And honestly, a you're lot getting, you're getting strut zoned. Strut zoned, exactly. Yes. Um, what he is doing is he is there's hens around him, and he's strutting back and forth, mm-hmm. maybe breeding a few hens, but he's just he's just strutting and following the flock. That's and, it. and they're not really doing anything. They've flown down. They're just printing feathers or or bugging or what or dusting whatever they are doing. They're not leaving that area, and he's just staying with them and strutting. Yep. That, to me, this is this is was a learning experience for me. Understanding this early it's a tough, on, it's a tough thing, like a pill to swallow. Because yes. at any time you're thinking he's going to break, because he's gobbling so good, he's very responsive, yet he's not closing the distance. And that's where we know he's with hens. We can hear them calling. We heard him fly down. Whatever. That's where early on in my career, I was trying to get into range. Mm-hmm. I was slithering through. I was the go getter. That's the other yep. stereotype. Okay. The go-getter. Go-getter. I was the go-getter. Crawl through the bushes, crawl, crawl through the water, whatever I had to do to get that bird in range. And I was going to coyote him. Mm-hmm. 
But a lot of times... That's just because he made you mad. Yeah, I got busted a lot of times <laughs> trying to do that. It's very risky. And it's it may be in a spot risky. you can't get to because yeah. of the way the landscape lays. For me, if he is gobbling at me like crazy, that's where I'm going to let patience kill this bird. Mm-hmm. And I sit back, I call a little bit just to keep his attention. And a lot of times you'll find that call that he likes the best. Maybe that frequency really cuts through the air and he hears that one the best and that's the one he always gobbles at. And a lot of times that could be a box call. Or that could be a real shrill slate call uh, or friction call. And and I'll call a little bit just to keep his interest, but I don't want to call too much to drive those hens away. Yep. So I just sit back and let patience kill this bird. And that's how I usually handle those that are that are strut zoning you. I'll kind of sit back, wait them out. Right. And uh, exactly, if, if the landscape does lay correctly... And you can sneak within range or, you know, if you've got that second person with you and, and you know, he's kind of hung up and that second person comes in and calls and then just starts drifting away, drifting away, drifting away. Finally, after those other hens have left with him, he's like, I got to go catch up with that bird and he will come in. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's definitely, again, different ways to kill him and call him. But that's a common thing that happens, again, especially during the early season. He's just getting that strut zone. Back and forth, back and forth he goes. Yep. And um, you're kind of at the mercy of him until mm-hmm. until it times you're up. Playing his game. Exactly. You're on defense. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So and and even during that time, I I just continue calling a little bit. Just let just, your presence just be let known. Him know. Yep. So let's say that bird just goes off. I've said I've had it. I wipe my hands clean. And I'm going to somebody else. Now I'm prospecting. Mm-hmm. For me, prospecting, there's so many different ways to do it. Yep. And I, as well as our habitat management, I like to make it diverse. I like to do different things. Yes. So sometimes I'll get up there and I'll start start off with a crow call. And I'll just, ah, ah, ah. Nothing. And nothing. Okay, let's walk another 100 yards, 150 yards, depending on the landscape. And now I'm going to hit him with a slate call. And that's when I just get loud. And you notice through that... I would cut a few times, and there was almost like a little pause, and then I would yelp, and then pause, cut, pause, yelp, pause. That's because I'm listening. And and you're representing exactly a turkey listening. A hen is calling because she wants to know where a gobbler's at, mm-hmm. and he will sound off if he's you know, in the hens. right mood. Or other hens, right. But they have to stop and listen and, and, and have those pauses in their talk so they can hear and know which direction to go to. So it's not just a continual... They're stopping and listening in between the noises and calls that they're making. They gotta know which direction to go. Yeah. And so then let's say nothing gobbles. And I this is this is for me, this is when I like a box call when I'm prospecting. It carries it carries and cuts to the wind a lot better than your mouth call. Mm-hmm. Um, some other types it's of friction a calls. Really high frequency that really cuts the air. And it cuts very well. Yeah, it sounds real good farther further away. Mm-hmm. So this is when I'll break out a box call and I'll hit it. And then, keep in mind, if, if he gobbles at this and we sit down, I may keep running it. Sure. But initially, this is the first time I break out the box call of the day. Right. Just a real high, shrill, cut through the air call. Now there Great are some box, call, call. box calls out there that are a little softer that you can use, just like your mouth call and stuff. But for me, I like a box call to serve a purpose of cutting the air and and reaching out there and locating toms. Right, right, right. So 
prospecting and and one other thing that we always got to throw in in dealing with prospecting is you don't want to call out in the wide open. You got to have something real close by to be able to set up and you don't know necessarily how far that gobbler is and he could gobble and he's 80 yards just over a little ridge and you can't run go to a tree. You better have a tree close by just to yes. squat and sit and down. And another next tip to it. is when you're doing that before you before you call, you're you're close to the timber, you're close to somewhere to set up some sort of cover. And you said, okay, if you're hunting with buddies, you're like, he gobbles, you sit there, you sit there, you, and I'll sit here. You're, you're already pre-planning where you're going to set up. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you don't want to step out like this is where a lot of times when you hear people talk about woodsmanship for turkey hunters, this is, this is about sneaking. Woodsmanship, in my opinion, is manu- maneuvering through the timber or the country, the terrain, and staying hidden. Mm-hmm. And a way to do that is by not exposing yourself. And so a lot of times when you're doing this, try to find the shade. If you have the ability to stay in the shade, stay in the shade. If you have the ability to stay behind brush, stay behind the brush. If you if you can stay behind stuff to where if he gobbles and he's within sight and you still have to set down and move, he can't see you. Yep. That's what you're going for. And it's amazing, honestly, what that shade does um, for a turkey hunter. If, if you're Absolutely. underneath the canopy, you are just you have so many more shadows cast across you. With your skin, your eyes, you know, you're not, your your movement is a lot more concealed in the shade versus obviously in the sun. bright sun. Absolutely. Um, so if I've got, if I have a choice along the edge of a field and I'm waiting them out or something, or it's late in the morning, I got a bird coming across the field, uh, I'm definitely picking a spot in the shade. And that goes with, you know, you have, you have 10 trees on the edge of a field to set up and six of them are full sun. I'm going to choose the ones in the shade, yeah. even though they're not as good. Maybe they're not as big and you're going to have a knot in your back. I would rather choose the tree with a knot in the back and a shade versus full sun. Right. Well, because, you know, if you sat in the sun, you'd fall asleep probably. 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 <laughs> and so now he's gobbled. And, and, you know, there's just so many different sounds and different ways. And, and so is there anything else you want to cover in this as far as sounds, different calls to use? You know, Honestly, I, for me, I think there's Hail Mary passes. There there are, and, and I'm just going to touch on, like, right off the roost, obviously, we, we've, we've covered it. We're a lot softer. We're just doing the natural thing, kind of the, the wake up. I definitely do pick up intensity when it comes to, um, you know, mid-morning to late morning. Those birds, if they're gobbling, they're very responsive. And if a hen is calling... It's because she's she wants to have the company of other turkeys. Yes, and she's vocalizing it and being usually loud. A lot of times, obnoxious. in the morning when they're calling, they're trying to just gather the flock. But once right. they gather the flock, they don't talk a lot. No, loud. They still talk in the as flock. they're feeding. Yeah, very soft. But outside of that mid morning, the hens. She's now trying to find somebody. That's the gobblers know that. Oh, absolutely. And, and you so, you can and call. The, I guess loud. You get a bird to gobble mid-morning, even sometimes mid-afternoon. But in Missouri, that's just you, – you can't because the season closes at 1 every day. But right. mid-morning, you get a bird to gobble. To me, it's always a race. And the race is to get him to you before another hen gets to him. Mm-hmm. Because if he's gobbling, usually he doesn't have a hen close. And a lot of times, for example, like in Florida, we had a bird gobble twice or three times at us. And right. all of a sudden, he shuts up. Yep. And he shuts up for a while, and you're like, where did he go? And then all of a sudden, he gobbles, and he's way away. It's a likely case. He had hens close by that might have drifted off, and then they heard us calling, replicating another hen, and they went and got the gobbler and just moved off, drifted off. Or you've had another hen come in, and his gobbling at your call is attracted, and she came and cut you off or cut him off from getting to you, and he's gone off in another direction. Yep, that's so, when, like we it's did a race. in Florida, we just threw our hands in the air and said, okay, we'll get him later. Yeah. We never did. Time nope. ran out, but that's just the way, that's one of those things that's hard to handle. It, it, it's it's really, really tough to handle. Um, but I, I'm definitely picking up intensity. I, I'm throwing a lot more cuts um, and and quite a few more little series of yelps together. Um, go ahead. You, you just put your mouth call in. Yeah, do, yeah. Do a little I was going to, you know, we're talking – talking about different sounds and and to me one that we didn't touch on was that hen that's we're trying to close him out and so we're trying to he he's coming now that now that let's say he flew off the limb and and we feel he's coming his gobbling's getting closer we want him to know 
exactly where we're at because sometimes, you know, they're, they're not that smart. They're, as we talked in a podcast, a few they're podcasts. Leery. Yeah, they're, they're kind of skittish. And so sometimes they may misinterpret where they feel you're at. And so unlike a white-tailed deer where you rattle or grunt, it seems like they know exactly where you're at and they come straight to the base of your tree and they look for you. Turkeys are a little bit different. Sometimes they'll fly off the roost and start going right past you, thinking that you were way back there. And so that's why it's important to kind of keep those scratching leaves with the wing, maybe a few calls. As he's flown down, he's working his way towards you. And instead of blasting him with a slate call, I like to keep it very soft. And a lot of times those very those super soft calls, other hens in the neighborhood won't hear them, but he, or if he's closing distance, he'll hear them. So I'll just... Got my mouth call in. I'll hit him just like this. For a little bit louder than a tree yelp. Yeah, exactly. And really, the difference is there's clucks involved in it. Right. You're breaking them up. The the small yelps, a small series of yelps with clucks. It's a little bit louder, but it's and honestly, is is very similar because. Turkeys back and forth as they're assembling, not excuse me, not as assembling, but as they're as they're within sight or very close to each other, they don't call loudly Mm-mm. because that just attracts predators. And so if you could learn that call in a common yelp, you can call. You can kill when, a lot of turkeys. And when to and when not to call, you can kill a lot of turkeys. Well, lots of turkeys, um, no doubt on that. And and uh, the, one of the the biggest problem I think, and, and you just kind of touched on it there, is a lot of people don't under. I mean don't know they underestimate the value of soft calling mm-hmm. a lot of times whether it's television or whatever everyone's you know throws out the just the loud just you know, ripping ripping yeah exactly and you and get those two-year-olds that are just don't know what to do with themselves and yeah gobbling at, at any noise themselves they're gobbling right. so much and uh but it's 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 those soft calls those soft yelps and the realisticness of them that really get the bird an old and honestly, an older bird to really close the distance. Absolutely, yes. And that's I think mastering the soft yelps on a mouth caller is, is huge, awesome. Because yeah. again, a, a slate or you know that crystal you can, glass, you can do them on a on a slate on a friction slate top call. This assassin glass, you can do them. The problem is you got to have hands. two hands, and if two he's hands. closing the distance, you've got to get both hands up, call, set the gun, set the call down, and pick and get the gun back up. That's just so, that's an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, something's going to bump it's or get you. It, exactly, and I don't like to get burned by a turkey. You're gonna, oh, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna drop hit something. It on a rock and, and yeah, exactly. So those like sometimes, sometimes most a lot of people don't want to master a mouth call. It tickles or whatever as you're beginning, you're starting, but put the practice in. Mm-hmm. It will change your hunting career, you know, life, whatever. A mouth mm-hmm. call, I think, is 100% necessary to master to kill lots of turkeys. I agree. I agree. I think we pretty well covered I, it. I think about so. An hour in, I yeah. Think I think that um, it's certainly going to be helpful in what to do and what calls sound like and what they mean in various hunting situations from, you know, you, you're trying to roost a bird to, you know, locator calls all the way down to sealing them in, sucking them to that gun range and um, – and throwing it over your shoulder. One last thing. There's a couple Hail Marys that we mentioned earlier. Yes. We, we, we didn't ta- talk about those actual calls. These are ones where, worst case scenario, something's coming and you're tired of waiting and you're just trying to change it up. I don't really preach these a whole lot because they're so they're so what if. Mm-hmm. They're not guaranteed. They're kind of just a lot of noise. And, and that's fighting purr, gobbler yelps, and gobbling. And, and, and Jake yelps. And Jake yelps. And it's yeah. just like... You can do them; um, they work. But an inexperienced or per- person that doesn't really know when, a lot of times the birds coming, and and you may break these out. I I made the mistake early on to to break these out long before I should have, and ended up the turkeys didn't come in. I, I, I it sounds like you. I you had a lot of, with patience. Uh, I had a younger. lot of problems with patience early on. <laughs> yeah, I think I think every young turkey hunter probably does. There's a phase I think that you have to go through. That turkey will teach you, you yeah. know, you have to be patient. Yeah. And um, it's a learning For curve. For me, I grew up on Will Primo saying he called too much and called too loud. And I thought, yeah. well, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and, and so, 
Um, that, yeah, that's, yeah, for me. And, and you know, a fighting purr is just a lot of purrs and a lot of cuts. Yes. And if you have a buddy and you're both, here, I'll give you a call. Give you me, can run one, one and I'll run one. And this All is right. just, and I'll even throw in a, a mouth call. To, so. And this, honestly, I'm going to tell a quick story. When we were in Florida, we had hens on the roost not far away from us pitched down and come into a decoy and this is exactly what they're replicating this fighting purr because they did not like that that hen um in their area and adam was back and, and forth that was two like that was two, two hens hen right what we're getting ready to do is going to be multiples yep. because you'll hear so much purring and cutting through it and so first off if you're if you're one guy you can do it just with a slate and a mouth call if you're two guys you can hand one of them the wing and the other one can run it, and as, so you as just if hear, a turkey's flogging, and you'll hear. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, and there you go. So you just hear stuff like that throughout, and I'm I just got the back side of the wing, and I'm hitting it against my leg. That's all I'm doing. Sounds. And th- this is honestly, I've had a lot of experience with it, but again, it's a hail mary. I'm not going to use it nearly on every setup, but if birds are locked up, you know, it, it's a it's a good way to attract turkeys to your location. And in the instance there in Florida. We had a longbeard come in, and he was 60, 70 yards away. And these, these hens that had come to the decoy were so amped up and did not like the other hen in their area. They took off, ran. We thought we honestly had spooked them right at first. Went back and rewatched footage, and they had spotted the gobbler and ran to him before we had seen him and yeah. took off to him, led him away. That's the power of the fighting purr. And, um, Basically, the attitude change it, it throws into a scenario and setup. So, and they were running to him basically to beat the hen or our decoy to the Correct. gobbler. Correct. That's why they ran. So, this is a fighting purr. What it sounds like on two on the hooks exterminator and hooks assassin glass. Pretty much, I mean, and, and as one guy, I'll just so for me, there's there's purrs like for me, I don't purr on a mouth call hard much at all, except for when I'm fighting purr, um, or the Tom's real close and I'm just trying to close him out and I'm trying to add some more realism. But the purr on a mouth call for me, just trying to get loud, and I'll mix it up with this slate call. So this is a one man fighting purr. pretty much a Hail Mary pass for me. It's the yeah. fight and purr is kind of one of those last-ditch efforts. Uh, you hear or you see you see turkeys out. Now, like it worked in Florida a couple years ago. You saw some Jake, some Tom fighting out of the field. And you're like, you know what? Let's hit them with fight and purr. So we cranked up. I cranked up the uh, slate call, and then I hit them with fight and purr. And here they came. They came right in. But for me, it's a, I would say less than 15% of the time I'm using a fight and purr. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we talked a little bit about um, gobbler yelps or Jake yelps and, and, and what that does. The situation we had kind of talked about earlier when he's you know in his strut zone or he's hung up and you don't know exactly what it is or why he's hung up. And it's a, generally for me a, a later in the morning kind of last-ditch Hail Mary. Time's running out and you've got no other other, yeah. other thing to do. In basically. Missouri, it's twelve. It's twelve forty. You have twenty yeah. minutes of season left, and you're like, let's just try it. Exactly. I'm going to throw in a Jake Yelp and just one Jake. Don't replicate multiple Jakes because then you're going to replicate um, those punk Jakes, a flock of punk Jakes, and that gobblers do not like them at all. So it might just be one Jake who's heard the gobbling or heard a hen. He's come in to see that hen, check out that hen that you're. Um, sounding like and that's gonna offend and and tick off basically a gobbler and keep in mind a jake yelp does not sound good no it's a very like a and so some people very deep hollow i've never even tried it on this mouth call but i know a lot of people say they flip them over really to me there's not enough rasp in that yeah and i don't have my mouth call with me so i can't do it but (laughs) 
and that's just, just a slate with very little pressure on yeah, it. Yeah, that's all. I, I've moved my finger up the peg, and I'm not oh, pushing it's down it's as skipping, hard. right. Yeah, oh. it's just a... And I'm making big circles, I mean, two-thirds of the way across, and I'm just dragging yeah. it, and it's like a... It's, it's like a, <laughs> to me you it's mistake like a teenager. it for a dog. Yeah, two ridges over. A lot of times you're like, is that a Jake Yelp or is that a dog? It's like a teenager who's going through voice change. Just goofy and what awkward. What say? Yeah. I can't even get my <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah. So on a mouth call, I, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut like a hen, <laughs> and then throw it up. <laughs> it's gonna cut her off basically. Yes. And then you can throw in a gobble. And I don't carry a gobble shaker. And, yeah. and, and same thing, I kind of replicate it with my voice just enough to where it's It's a faint gobble. And it's yeah. a faint gobble. And that's all I'm trying to – and I may even do it with my voice. If if he's close, he's hung up, I may – Because a lot of times those There's, jakes, when they follow up a yelp, it's not a good clean – So. No. A good, clean gobble. But if I'm, like, really trying to sound like a mature Tom's moved in or whatever, I feel like he's the boss Tom, and I'm just really trying to challenge him. I may... And I'm just trying to imitate that another punk moved in and is trying to take his ladies. But those are all... To me, yeah, those that, are Hail Marys. Again, like you said, 15% or so of the time, you might have to throw those out. And um, they'll ha- they're Hail Marys, but they do work, and I've had success with them. Um, and oftentimes, if you're able to, it's almost like hitting that button. That button like, I've had enough. That's it. I'm coming in. If he shuts up, you, you get ready kind of yeah. deal. Because he could Either come running in. Or he came running. Exactly. <laughs> that, and that's, yeah. that's where the Hail Mary kind of comes in. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great, you know, rendition of, of kind of some live calling um, that's going to give some association to what those sounds are, when to use them, and you know what scenarios they are best used in um, to get birds within range. Absolutely, I think that pretty well covers it. I th- that was one of my favorite podcasts yet. Yeah, hopefully yeah. it was yours too. And um, turkey season's open up all across the country. If it hasn't opened up in your area, it will be soon. Um, Missouri's just a couple weeks away. Uh, who knows where we're where it's going to find us? Um, might even stretch out and, and do some public ground hunting or um, run to Kansas, Nebraska. Who the heck knows? But um, we're going to be in the woods and hope you will be as well. Thanks for tuning in. Well, we're going to close it out on doing some doing some more yelps and cuts we and go. everything else. So here we hope, come, turkey. Hope season. you guys will join us next time.